Yo, welcome to Chaos Therapy. I'm Lane Jordan, obviously. So, I'm coming off of mushrooms. Did some last night. Uh, pretty intense, more intense than last time I did it. Um, it's cool. I was at home, so I was somewhere safe. Uh, I watched, so I was watching, I watched this Crip and Blood documentary, which is pretty, that I've seen before called Crips and Bloods Made in America. It's pretty cool. They go through the history of Crips and Bloods and how everything started and like the device, but it's mostly in LA. That's where that real Cripping and real blood is. Like it started in LA. That real shit is LA. Like set trip isn't like it's that's when you, it's LA. Everywhere else isn't as authentic. Like you can get Chinese food in Chinatown. You can get it like, and I mean in San Francisco, and it'll be really fucking good. But it's not the same as going to fucking Hong Kong or Beijing or fucking Wuhan. Like, just, it's not the same. Um, then I ended up watching this screen rant. Then they are talking about X-Men. And they got me thinking about watching X-Men. And I have this app called Blue Lights Entertainment. And it literally has so many movies. Like, I have all the channels. It's a, it's a thing for my fire stick. So, I watched uh, X3. Uh, Last Stand, which I like that movie. Um, and then I watched X2 United, which is pretty good. Like, and I, I watched them backwards. Like, I'm going to uh, watch um, Days of Future. Past. Like, I'm going to try to watch them all in chronological order. Because I've never seen all of Days of Future Past. I've seen like a little bit of it. Like, part, I've seen, I haven't seen it from the beginning. So I'm going to watch it. <laughs> And the good thing is, it's on fucking... So I'm going to watch all the X-Men uh, cinematic universe in order. And I have a way to watch them, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah, dude, I love Marvel. I love X-Men. It was like... Probably because I grew up watching the cartoon. Like, to me, Marvel is never Thor, Spider-Man, the Avengers. Like, that. I didn't know anything about the Avengers until the movie came out. I wasn't a big comic book guy just because we had the cartoons. And I get like, it just shows generationally. Like my dad read the comics and everything and older cousins and everything. But, but like once the X, like to me, X-Men's always been Mar- like the epitome of Marvel. And then the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies got better than the X-Men ones. Like I liked First Class. Um, I liked Apocalypse. Take that back. Apocalypse wasn't bad. I liked... Um, Dark Phoenix, which wasn't too bad. You know, like they weren't bad. Like visually they're dope, but Logan I enjoyed. I haven't seen the Wolverine. I've seen X-Men's Origins Wolverine. So I'm looking forward to it, dude. Uh, what I want to get into, because I have to think about like, I, it's funny how things tie into each other and people don't realize that things tie into each other. On so many different levels. Or even if it's just two or three levels. Um, and I'm kind of getting to that because I love soccer. Big soccer fan. I grew up playing football. I love football. I love all sports. One of the things that irks me is and because I talk about soccer so much, people think I only know about soccer. I'm like, no, I know about a bunch of shit. I'm a historian to this shit. <laughs> but to me, soccer so much is, is important to me because of the politics involved and if you know anything about international soccer especially spanish soccer 
you have Real Madrid versus uh, versus Barcelona, and that's just one rivalry. And one of the things about that rivalry is, growing up, I will, I like Real Madrid. Like I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of European soccer when I was a kid. Uh, they had the Champions League on ESPN, but you had to literally be home to catch it. And like the group stage, they showed, but it really wasn't. You didn't really watch a lot of league games. Like as I got older, like Premier League was on like uh, pay per view in some aspects. There's a channel, so sometimes I'd get a chance to watch it if I was cleaning my parents' room or something because they had the box, like the scrambler box, in their uh, room. Um, and Champions League, I, I got into like the first game I saw was Manchester United. So I've always been a Manchester United fan from then. Love Manchester United. Love David Beckham, Sir Alex Ferguson, especially that 98-99 team. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. To, to, to me, that's, that's my favorite team. I always root for them. Good, bad, and different. Like, I'm going to... I'm going to root for Man U. Um, but one of the teams that I've always liked and as I got older and the internet age became more prevalent was Real Madrid. I liked the all-white jerseys. I was a big Adidas fan then. Like, I liked the stadium. A lot of their star players were my favorite players. So, the Renault, and by this time, I was like, the, like, oh, one, oh, two. So, it's like the uh, gl- original Galacticos. So Zidane, Figo, uh, Iker Casillas, Roberto Carlos, uh, Ronaldo. Like, Ronaldo is one of my favorite strikers of all time. Um, Love him. I loved watching him. Uh, Even seeing him live was crazy because I remember watching reruns. I didn't watch the World Cup final in 02, but I watched reruns of it. And the media surrounding it and the commercial and everything, like, yo, this dude is nice. And so that's that's always been my my big thing I like in uh, 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 Real Madrid. As I got older, I've gained a more appreciation for because again, like you play FIFA, so you know all the players, and so you have a better understanding of the team and who they are and what they represent. And I did my I remember I found. Like, I did my junior research paper. In Ohio, at least just in our school, you have to do this thing called a junior research paper. And basically, you read your junior year. You, it's a huge chunk of your grade, especially your second semester. Like, whenever you take the writing course. And I remember just going through the history and just, like, learning, like, oh, my God. Like, these dudes are dope. Like, they've been dope for forever. They had some down years in the... You know, as when they weren't winning European championships in the 70s and 80s. But that late 90s scene, they got back jumping. They're like, in the, if we're like, the, they're like the New York Yankees. Uh, as far as media, as far as they get, them getting the best players, as them winning championships. As it's seemingly looking like everybody's on their side. Like they're the one of the like unequivocal biggest brands in sports. And it's it's really weird because as I got older and just like realized like yo like these people 
like they put together, especially Florentino Perez, like they put together this squad of just great players. And it's kind of, you see it repeated now with Bayern Munich, but to them, they're getting not the best players in Spain. Like they're getting the best players in the world. Like they, I remember when the David Beckham sale was announced and it was on ESPN. It was huge because he was the biggest, most marketable draw in the world. Like he was one of the biggest brands in the world and like the biggest brands in the world playing for the biggest brands. And everything aligned. Like, he's an Adidas player. Like, a, he has his own signature shoe design, shoe color for Adidas. And he's an Adidas player, playing for an Adidas team. And he was not great. Like, he's not going to dribble through everybody. But his crosses, his passing was breathtaking. Beckham's that dude. Um, there's really not much to it as far as what he did, like, and how hard he played. Like, just seeing the type of player he was, and I wanted to be that. Like, I literally remember watching a movie, Bennett Like Beckham, and here's how I'm showing my privilege. Um, where I grew up at, our neighborhood, like, our subdivision had a tennis court. So I would do this, so I'm like, my sophomore, like, sophomore year growing up, like, I would go to the tennis courts. And just practice kicking a curveball. Just practice bending the ball and getting it over the net. And I actually got, like, I mean, hours. Rain, hot, didn't matter. Like, I was out there. Both feet. And I was just like, yo, get it over the net. Like, I just practice and practice and practice all because of David Beckham. Uh, And I remember, like, watching those Champions League games. Like, dude, it was an event. Like, Beckham... Helped that team so much, but it sucks because they didn't win shit until 07. Like, the expectation of what Real Madrid was supposed to do when they had all these stars at their peak powers was crazy, but warranted. Like, you have the best defenders, you have arguably the best goalkeeper. I mean, it could have been Oliver Kahn, fucking um, Dita, who had just won a World Cup. Uh, Connor's in a fight. Toti, not fight. Toti. Um, oh my God, I forget his name. The guy plays for fucking Juventus. Oh my gosh, what the? Hold on. Dean Luigi Buffoon. That's it. Um. Edwin Vandersar, like, there's so many, but Iker Casillas is undoubtedly a winner, especially winning three fucking international tournaments, multiple fucking uh, champions. Like, the nigga's a beast. And doing it at the biggest club in the world, like, and he's not a tall dude, but he's a good goalkeeper. I don't know what the fuck it is, but he's just a, he's a legendary goalkeeper, all-time great. Um, But the reason Real Madrid didn't win as much was because of either Valencia or the other team I'm going to talk about, Barcelona. Now, I didn't really pay attention much to Barcelona. Like, they had Rivaldo, they had Figa early, but, like, they didn't, there wasn't a team that, like, spoke to me 
as much as Real Madrid did because they didn't have Real Madrid out of my favorite fucking players. But as I began to understand soccer more and get older, especially understand what Barcelona is, bro, like it was... Crazy. Because fan-wise, I like Real Madrid. It's a big brand, have my best favorite players, everything else. But politics-wise, I align more with Barcelona. Um, and Catalonia as a region. Staff record label and a crew. And it's not even like close uh, because of Real Madrid and what they represented to just Spain and fascism because Francisco Franco, the dictator of Spain from the 30s till 1975 when he fucking croaked, fuck him, did so much to suppress not only Spanish freedom, but Catalonian freedom as well as a Basque country. But it's Basque country is another region in northern Spain, uh, close to France. Uh, the Basque Country and Catalonia have French ties. And it is... It is actually kind of... Not disappointing, but it was actually kind of eye-opening. Just knowing the history of Barcelona and uh, how they were oppressed. And been oppressed. Like, that region has been fiercely independent for centuries. And it was eye-opening in the way of just, I was like, damn, like, Franco had his good, like, there was a game where Barcelona lost 11 to nothing. And the reason was, Franco had his goons going to say, if you win this game, we're going to kill you. In so many words. And they end up losing the game, like... They like Real Madrid got so many breaks just because they were in the capital and they were seen as seen as a team as France. Like they won the first five uh, European Cups, Champions League in existence because they had the best team because uh, Francisco Franco made it so that all the transfer, like the most important transfers went to Madrid first. Alfredo De Stefano, if you know if you don't know the story, Alfredo De Stefano is his Argentinian and then he transferred uh, he switched his allegiance to Spain. Um to uh soccer player. And he was supposed to go to like Barcelona went, flew down Already had a contract ready. Somehow, some way, shit gets inter-fucking-cepted. And then... And then you have him going to uh, Real Madrid. And... That just rewrote the history of both teams. And so, like I said, my politics align more with Real, not Real Madrid, with Barcelona. And 
the setup of what Barcelona ended up doing was impeccable. How they were still able to have this pride in not only themselves, but as a region and what they wanted to represent in soccer. And now was it, and I think that's important, like with what there's a player named uh, Johan Cruyff. He is a Dutch soccer legend and he played for Ajax. And when it came time for him to switch teams, he decided to go to Barcelona. Now, this was like the equivalent of Kobe Bryant going to What's a small market? Well, not small. Big market, legendary. That'd be like Kobe Bryant going to the New Jersey Nets. A team with no real history. They're not even the biggest in, like, they're the biggest team in that region, but they're not. not no, I'd be like, yeah, going to, I don't know. Like, it's hard to really explain it because it was so monumental just politically. And... During the time, like, there was a reprimand, like, reprimandum, like, uh, rep- yeah, memorandum. You would be reprimanded if you spoke Catalan, if you showed any signs of Catalan pride during the time of Franco. And what Cruyff did was name his kid Jordi. Now, this is important because Jordi is a traditional Catalonian name. And for him to name his son that, like, he's revered in Catalonia just for that. Because that shit could have got you killed. Like, you're playing on a level, you're playing with stakes on a level no one's seen before in world football. There have been plenty of great football stars. There have been plenty of great football stars who are political figures, but none that were both and I think that was the most important part. And I think what also what Cruyff did was come back. Like he coached Catalonia. He's very much seen as a Catalonian hero, a modern day Catalonian hero. Excuse me, sorry. He took what was considered ugly and less than and made it beautiful. And he embraced Catalonian culture. He come he coached the Catalonian national team. Uh, they don't, they're not regulated by FIFA, so they don't really, they can't play in the World Cup, but they can play friendlies. And he ended up coming back to coach Barcelona. In fact, the first 
Champions League team that Barcelona had was coached by Cruyff. Everything that they that Barcelona is was created by Johan Cruyff. He may have not have started the club, but he was such a pivotal a pivotal a pivotal uh, role in the history in establishing who they are as a club moving forward. Like they started in 1899, but they weren't who they are now until 1973. That's just that it's just facts. Like people can try to minimize it, but you can't. I think the the influence of France and Dutch and English culture in Barcelona has been hasn't been played up as much as it needs to be to casuals one of the players that really helped Barcelona take off was Ronaldinho and at the and the reason is not because he was just the most exciting for a three two to three Three years span, he was the most exciting player in world football. It was, he did that while being the center of attention media-wise. That's the kicker. Like, this still before YouTube, but you're still seeing heights. Like, I remember watching the 0304 season when he was starting to just take off. And now, mind you... Ronaldinho had at 22 won a fucking World Cup. It was a pivotal part. Had one of the best goals in all of World Cup history with a free kick from yards out that just happened to dip right over David Seaman in the England England game. How the fuck he missed that ball? No one fucking knows. But he did. So there's that. But he's 23 years old, just starting to get to the peak of his powers. And I saw him do amazing things with the ball. And he played a style that was very much English in the way of he didn't go down. Like you weren't taking him down easy. Like if if he was fouled, he was like you knew it. Like he was getting that free kick. Like there's no like oh no, he dove. Him and Ronaldo uh Phenomenal, the original one. These guys were built from a different breed. They were built entirely of a different fucking breed. These guys played the game hard. They gave everything they could. They may not have been able to train well, like especially Ronaldinho because he fucking partied all the time. But when it came time to do it, he did it. And I think that's like that. And also Ronaldo played for Barcelona. And I didn't really get a chance to see it. I I ended up having to check highlights on the internet and everything. But like, it's so funny. Like now finding old games and finding skills, like just finding just 
archives of soccer is so much easier now than it was when I was even 17, 18 years old. There was no YouTube. There was no way to really watch these games and view them. There's no really way to like watch these highlights and view them. You literally just had to hope you caught it at the right time. And so I think with that, like that, I gained a, a, a lot more knowledge after 2007 than I did ever before. Like my kids will have so much access to all these games to rewatch them. And there's so many ways to watch this. Like there's there's Gold TV, there's being sports, there's Sky Sports, like there's <coughs> I'm there's BT Sport, there's um, Fox Soccer Plus, Fox Soccer Channel. Like it's there's YouTube. Like there's like there's so many ways to watch. And I often find myself and I think the style of play that I gravitated towards was Barcelona as I got more of an understanding of watching the game. I remember the 0809 Champions League final. Manchester United versus Barcelona. Before the juggernaut that was to become Barcelona from 08 to 2012. And I saw my favorite team get fucking picked apart. Because you have most of, a lot of those guys on the Barcelona team just got done the previous summer winning the European Championship. Their first one since 1964. And they played a style of play that was impeccable, perfect. They just kept the ball, but they didn't just keep the ball in a boring way. To most people, it might look boring, but to me and, and, it, and with my understand, my grown understanding of soccer, I looked at it like, oh, these niggas is like, especially with Xavi and Iniesta. Uh, I think they had Juan Capdevilla. Like, there's yeah, like the the team that was on that championship team that won that uh, European championship. They, I remember watching the Germany final and just like, you're not getting a ball off them. A lot of quick, short passes, a lot of movement. And that was when, to me, soccer became a thinking game. It's always been a thinking game, but so much of the soccer that I watched growing up, which is based off pure athleticism, it was all about attack. No much as, not as much as like, just get to the final third, pass around and hope you can fucking lob it in there and someone will knock the goal in. They play passes with precision. Zavi is one of the players that I will forever, if I, I'm telling like, hey, I'm telling my kid like, yo, look, this is a guy we're watching. I'm going to show him highlights. I'm going to show him videos. I'm going to show him techniques. Watch him. Watch him, Sergio Busquets, Iniesta. Don't even watch Messi because Messi does a lot of his damage in the final third just running at players. He's a tremendous talent. But if you want to understand the game of soccer, watch Iniesta and Xavi play. Watch Andrea Pirlo play. Watch Paul Scholes play. Watch Tony Cruz play. Like I understood the game so much more and at such a higher level um, watching Barcelona plans like bro like even though I'm a Real Madrid fan I have so much respect for Barcelona and they played a game a more complete game than even I thought they would did when they had Ronaldinho they said Iniesta and uh, uh, Xavi when they had Ronaldinho but like it was hey get the ball to the left flank watch this mother he was such 
a physical and skillful force that there was literally nothing else to do. And he could also pick a pass, but they didn't play a very possession game, heavy game. A lot of it was like Barcelona's and like seeing Ronaldinho on a one-on-one or a one-on-two, just as good as one-on-one. In the positioning of these guys, they were always in the right spot. And it just felt like, yo, if you're going to Barcelona, you're going to fucking win. And that's the fuck they did, dude. Pep Guardiola's first year from, like, they won everything. Everything there was to win, they fucking won. La Liga, Copa del Rey, Champions League, um, UEFA Super Cup, uh, FIFA World Champions, uh, Club Cup. Uh, the su- com- supporter shield or whatever community, like yeah, all of them. Oh, they there's six titles and win. They won six fucking titles, and everybody was involved. And what happened? And it, what there is called tiki taka, meaning like short, quick passes. But it also was a high press. They got the ball back very high up, and so instead of having because they didn't have the athletes, tiki taka works so well if you have athletes on the outside. And thinkers on the inside. You need speed. You need a fast forward because if you're playing a false nine, you need to be able to get past. You need the wingers to get past, be fast, like the wingers and the striker to be fast. And you also need the wingbacks to be fast because you're going to be pressing high. You also need a ball playing, a pair of ball playing center backs. Meaning these guys can pass the ball or comfortable because teams are going to try to press them too. And you need a goalkeeper that can do the same thing. I think with seeing, and I, and I saw players playing in a different position and still succeeding. Seeing Javier Mascarano, who was a central defensive midfielder or midfielder, who wasn't the fastest, but he was just so good positionally that he rarely got beat. Now, one of the things that you can beat Tiki Taka with is, is if you also have athletes and you're also able to press. And I think when Spain finally lost in the 2014 World Cup, they the team just had better athletes. When they got the doors blown off of them um, by Bayern Munich in 2012-2013, the first year after Pep was gone, actually when they lost to Chelsea, Chelsea just... Had they fucking packed it in, and I remember watching this, watching the game live. It's Chelsea Barcelona. It's at Barcelona. Um, Fernando Torres from for Chelsea, who had done fuck all since moving from Liverpool, gets his open on a breakaway. The ball gets on. Like you need fast center center backs if you're going to if you're going to um, have such high press. And what happened was Fernando Torres ended up beating Jarl PK and Carlos Poyo. Like, bro, you're not fast enough. <laughs> it wasn't Moscow. I think it was Moscow. Like, yeah, he beat him and then had a one-on-one with the keeper, knocked it in, they win, they had fucking goal advantage. <laughs> but still, like, when it works, bro, it was crazy. 
And then when they got Barcelona got back to that style in the 2014-2015 season, you have Neymar, who is a fucking beast, who was at that time third best player in the world, hands down. Especially third best attacker. Maybe not third best, but third best attacker. Because NES and Zabri were still playing at a fucking high level. You have Messi, you have Suarez. Suarez isn't a burner, but he's fast enough to where you have to fucking watch out for him. Neymar's fucking fast. Messi's fast. So they had MSN. Messi, Suarez, Neymar. Like You had these guys... Who were who are world class at their positions? And they end up winning the Champions League. They beat the shit out of a good Juventus team with Paul Pogba, a uh, peaking Paul Pogba. Like they had, they they had a lot of fucking talent. Uh, Jordi Alba, which is again going to back to Barcelona, he's from Barcelona. I think he was at Valencia and they bought him and they bought him back. Yeah, still Danny Alves, who's only 30, still peak of his power, Gerard PK. You have all these guys that are just peaking perfectly. And the thing too at Barcelona is that their academy allows them the depth to Be able to pretty much plug and play almost anyone. And still be successful at that time. I think they become too dependent on Messi. But it's I would love to have seen a Barcelona coach coach America. Because American soccer is so much... American soccer is very much built like most American sports. Which athleticism wins. Hey, if you're stronger and faster than everybody, we'll work with tactics. But that's not soccer, which is why we get our asses kicked because tactically we're just better. Now, if we're playing a team with athletes but less tactically, of course we're going to fucking beat them. I think Jurgen Klinsmann was a good hire, uh, but I think, and I think the German way is very much built on athleticism as well, but not as much. We don't have a lot of individual players with that can beat players with skill. It's mostly just with speed. And you need that. If you're not going to have a bunch of players that, like, and I think the one thing that helped Barcelona win those, these championships when they won in 06 and, and they won in 2009 and 2011 when they again beat fucking United. And when they won in 2015, is that they also had players who can beat you with skill. Neymar could beat you with with skill. Messi could beat you with skill. He can dribble through every fucking body, and I've seen him do it fucking live, and it's amazing. Neymar, too. Uh, Suarez can just pick a fucking shot. And I think with America, we may have a lot of athletes, but we don't have the guys who are technically and positionally aware that we should. Because... We still look at it as an athletic endeavor strictly and not a fucking chess match that happens to use people who have athletic abilities. That's it. That's just it. And I think what we saw with the Galacticos era, especially those late ones, that a lot of those Galacticos guys were, were fading. Renato kept, like, after 02, he was worthless. He was worthless. And I love him, but it's not his fault. He was hurt. Zenadine Zidane, 
getting older. Louis Figo getting older. Beckham, he wasn't the game breaker that he was supposed to be, and he played the same position as Figo. Figo is never really a fast guy. He's just really good technically. Like Real Madrid had Figo, who was World Player of the Year. Ronaldo, who was World Player of the Year. Zidane, who was World Player of the Year. Beckham, who was up there. You also have Roberto Carlos, too. And I think what happens is you threw too many fucking... You threw too many... For the longest time, Real Madrid's academy has been shitty. And I think what Real Madrid tried to do was get younger when they bought Robinho... But Rubinho wasn't the striker that they needed. Raul was still pretty fairly young. He was born in 77 um, at the time of the Galactic Coast. He was homegrown, but so many of the original or first-generation Galacticos, or at least the Florent- Florentino Perez first-generation Galacticos, just weren't at the peak of their powers anymore, man, and it hurt him. <laughs> it hurt, especially when Ronaldinho was destroying cats. They had nothing for him. You think early Sergio Ramos is going to fucking mark Ronaldinho? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but the second one, the second generation of Florentino Perez's Galacticos was a lot more fruitful. It just took a while. So the summer of 09, Florentino Perez went on a fucking buying spree. They spent, and this is before financial fair play, which in FIFA is, you can't be in more debt than you have money coming in for a certain amount of time, or you're not going to be able to play in European competition, be it the Europa League or the UEFA Champions League. Europa League is like the second, it's like the NIT of uh, international club tournaments, (laughs) club soccer tournaments. And so you have... Cristiano Ronaldo, Kaká, Xabi Alonso, Kareem Benzema, who were all these guys at the peak. Uh, Kaká just kept getting hurt, man, and that sucked. Um, but still, he was only 28, not 27. Either 27 or about to be 27. So he was peaking. Ronaldo had just it was 24, he was peaking. Kareem Benzema was 22. He was fucking peaking. Uh, Alvaro Abelo, I don't really know how much how old he was. Uh, Shebi Alonzo, I think he was like 20, about to be 28 or 27. <laughs> and yeah, I think he was born in 81. <laughs> and I remember they had Manuel Pellegrini. I, was, I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but he's going to get fired. And he he was there for a year. He was a fucking rental because bro, you don't you're not gonna manage all those. So there, he could have the only way he could have saved his job is if he went on a sex tuple run. But Jose Mourinho is gonna go to Real Madrid because they needed someone as enigmatic and pragmatic and someone that can take a lot of the heat away from the players and focus away from Barcelona and kind of get in their head and do some little gamesmanship. But those, those second Galactica, and I think what happened after the Galacticos, fucking Real Madrid just went Dutch. And they bought Bern Schuster, who was a pretty decent coach uh, from Madrid. He got him the league. They got Beckham his first La Liga. And most of those niggas from the original Galacticos were gone. But they brought, like, Real Madrid brought in Royston Drenthe, who sucked. Marcelo, who's pretty good. Had a good run. 
uh, Wesley Snyder, who was dope. Raphael Vandervaart, who was dope as well. Then they brought John Klaus Huntelaar, or Klaus John Huntelaar, who's Dutch like that. Like, so Royston, it's really weird to see a German bring in that many Dutch players, but Royston, Raphael Vandervaart, um, Wesley Snyder, Klaus John Huntelaar, Rude von Nistelrooy, Arn Robin. And they did like they did decent, but it wasn't like it's Real Madrid's. But like they have like they are their season measured. Did you win the Champions League? Like winning the league was for that time second tier because Barcelona was gonna win that shit. I think Atletico Madrid won the title one time in the past. I think decade. But I I think with going back to tactics, I think Ohio, Ohio State, them too. I think American soccer would benefit so much from a La Masia, which is a school for Barcelona, that Barcelona, that's the name of the Barcelona Academy, would benefit from. <laughs> Where everyone in our levels play a specific way. I think if you teach us to play a more possession game, and we think more and become more tactically sound, or at least a, a total football. But we, you can't play total football if you don't have anybody willing to take on people. Like you, I look at the American soccer team; not a lot of four-star skillers. You know, not a lot of four-star skillers. And I think it comes from the selection process for our ODP Olympic development or our national team pool. It's your base and club or camps, and you have to pay so much fucking money. And the best players in the the top five best players in the world in world history of soccer never were, were poor as shit. <laughs> they were poor as shit. They don't. They didn't come from shit. Cristiano Ronaldo, born poor dude in the island of Madeira, off the coast of off the coast of. Closer to Africa than Portugal. Lionel Messi, poor. Barcelona has to get him with hormone injectors so he can fucking grow because he's fucking tiny. Pele, poor. Neymar, poor. Ronaldo, the original, poor. Roberto Carlos, poor. They wouldn't have had a chance to play for America because they'd have never been seen. If you're a poor kid living in Miami or L.A. or Dallas or Houston or Orlando, you don't have a chance or New York like like you don't have a chance. Luckily, also, these people live in a place where you can play soccer year round outdoor and it not be a fucking hassle. If you live in fucking Columbus, Ohio, unless you're playing indoor, there's going to be a, a season where you're not playing. That's his facts. You play from. Late spring, like mid-spring, like April when it's just raining, you kind of can play to like October, November before shit starts getting dicey. If you live above the Mates and Dixon, like you're, you're, you're fucked, especially if you're poor because like you're not going to get seen. And I think now with what's going on in American soccer where the MLS clubs are starting or are, have started and, and doing their own academies to where shit's taken care of financially, you're going to see a lot more better players. Excuse me. 
And I, for one, am excited. But you, you can't... That's... And I, I think with club, the club system is, okay, we find these guys who are just faster and athletic. Let's just focus on them. And they don't really teach them skills. Like, they don't really teach you how to beat players one-on-one with skill. Speed, yeah. Muscle, sure. And I think with a lot of it, once you play a position, you're stuck in that position you someone makes you switch a position. For me, it was playing indoor and playing small sided games just as an adult instead of not always playing big field you get a better you get better touches because you don't have as much you you develop a better touch because in a quicker mindset because you don't have as much room to play play with when you're playing big field and you only play big field you you play like you only play big field you practice barely small sided games 2v2 3v3 and stuff like that you don't know how to move like, in, if you're playing big field, meaning a, at least a bigger field where you're playing with like eight, nine, ten people, 11 people per side, you know you're going to be in one-on-one situations more often than not. Small side, you got about maybe a second before a bunch of people start closing down on you. So say you beat one guy, you need to be, you can beat one guy with a good touch or a feint or something. But multiple to get through, you have to have a good touch. You can't just knock the ball out in front and just outrun them because the ball's going to get fucking taken. It's been a an experience that, like, I'm I'm mad. Like, I didn't know how to fucking really play and think soccer till I was fucking grown, dude. Like, I didn't know about stepovers in a consistent basis or ball rolls, just like all these other type of tricks till I was 20, 21, able to see them and learn how to do them on, by not just playing FIFA video games or other video games, but just watching the highlights and shit, knowing how to set players up, knowing how to fucking do a body feint with your shoulders and shit. Like, in that, that time, I'm not getting back. But I, I think the future is bright for American soccer as long as they keep trying to build a culture of players who think instead of players who just play. That is exciting. But, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, it's kind of, it's probably one of many soccer pot, uh, episodes that I'm going to do. Uh, but y'all stay safe. Peace. Thank you for listening to Cast Therapy. I'm Layton Jordan.